Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. And since it's Tuesday, you know it. It's time for a bit of food and drinks reporting from the one and only Andrew Dambina. How are you doing, Andrew? Good to chat to you. Yeah, you too, Noreen. Um, good to chat to you too. How's your week been? It's been all right. Getting ready for the big move, um, as you reminded me just now. I haven't even mentioned it to the listeners. Of course, to the listeners, it won't, it won't, they won't. You won't notice any difference at all, dear listeners, but um, we're moving studios um, still in Kowloon Tong, but from one end uh, to the next in in, in this broadcasting house studio. Um, Our original studio has been renovated, and it looks really cool, to be honest. Um, No window, but that doesn't matter because... um, um, yeah, it does matter. It does a little bit. I'm I'm gonna miss this view. <laughs> I'm gonna miss looking it outside. <laughs> I I I saw it on Saturday, and uh, it's looking very 22nd century. It's a very very. It's almost like an art installation when you walk in there, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is very artistic and, and things are sort of um, colour coordinated, inspired by the trees and the forest um, with, the, with the teal and the orange. Did you see that? And the brown? I saw some colours that you're describing. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, l- looking forward to, to moving into the studio. Um, I think we're moving, well, uh, um, the, the plan is to move in on Thursday um, and the 123 show will be the first programme uh, to be done from the oh. new studio. Really? So there'll be a handover time because the news is normally 15 minutes. So Phil will finish up the morning brew in the studio that I'm oh. in right now. Um, and then I'll start the I'll start my show in the new studio. So hopefully... Well, Noreen. Exactly. No pressure. No my, pressure. My honour. And, and you'll be my first guest. Well, actually, what? Sadia will be the, the, the first guest in the studio. And then you'll be on the phone. So I'll be able to work my, 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 my muscle. Bone muscle, <laughs> mic muscle, work, I don't know. Work, work your magic, Noreen, <laughs> in, the, uh, in the new studio. I mean, it should be sounding better. That's, the, that's part, part of a renovation, the quality of sound, I'm sure. But anyway, Noreen. Back to food. Hey. What have you got for <laughs> yeah. us? <laughs> yeah. So today, uh, I, I, you know, when I'm looking for topics to discuss in the Tuesday segment that we're now in, um, it's, it's always a kind of a, a, a juggling act of what seems more interesting or appealing and varied um, from either local content or around the world, but also whether it's a bigger picture story or something a bit micro. So last time we spoke, uh, last week, it was, uh, it, was, it was a bit more kind of big picture, and I'm, and I'm sticking with that today. It's, um, it's some of the bigger, bigger stories. So... Uh, from around the world. Going to start off in the US, and it's a story of big business in the foodstuff sector that has come under scrutiny by the government for some of the way that it practices. And when we talk about, you know, food, often we will talk about dishes or a certain type of cuisine. Very occasionally, we talk about components that are that are involved. And this story really is about the Biden administration, who has. Um, who is suing a big block merger between two of the biggest sugar industry giants in America. And it, uh, it's worried, uh, the government is worried, that if these two of the biggest sugar suppliers and producers in America merge, that it will affect 
the price of anything that contains sugar uh, because they can then have a bit of a, a monopoly. Not, to, not a total monopoly, but they'd have real big sway. Exactly. Among, and have yeah. tacit agreements that nobody else can prove and then they'll just dominate the market. That's not good news. All that kind of stuff, Noreen. Yes, yes. indeed. Mr. And Cartel. So, Sorry. Yeah, a bit like Sugar Cartel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just bags of the white stuff between those two companies merging as one. Uh, the Biden administration then has sued to block uh, a, a proposed merger between the United States Sugar Corporation, that's one, one of them, and the other one is called the Imperial, Imperial Sugar Company. And the Department of Justice in the US has argued that one of them buying out the other to merge would raise prices at a time when global supply chains are already under pressure. So people are having to pay more for all sorts of reasons that we kind of know about. And so um, this has been a uh, this this actual reaction from the government and the Justice Department is part of President Biden's aggressive steps. It's been reported to combat corporate consolidation in a number of industries in his first year in the White House. It's not just in the food industry, but that has been. Uh, one area that he's really looked at because it's affecting people's everyday life. So it was last Tuesday that the administration made these steps, and it's um, a civil antitrust lawsuit that's been filed to stop those companies, mentioned that's United States Sugar, from buying Imperial Sugar. Uh, the, the corporations are, are uh, you know, in, uh, right now, as things stand, they're rivals. And so the um, uh, the assistant attorney, attorney general of the Justice Department's antitrust division, whose name is Jonathan Cantor, said that um, that corporations who are rivals should not get more cosy in the sugar industry. So, you know, they're weighing in with some comments about this. And he went on to say this deal substantially lessens competition at a time when global supply chain challenges um, threaten steady access to important commodities and goods. So the, uh, one of those companies then, the, uh, the one that's sugar, uh, sorry, U.S. sugar, is headquartered in Florida. Um, and interestingly, the other company, which is Imperial Sugar, is actually owned by a global agricultural conglomerate that's based in the Netherlands. I mean, once I started reading about this, it's the real big business. You know, like you said, it's all this kind of stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't really hear about. I mean, I do, I, that's why this week and this week, some of these bigger sort of macro stories are, I'm finding quite interesting. I've not really looked into this side of the food industry. Knowing that the one of the largest producers or um, uh, distributors of sugar in the US is, uh, has its base in the Netherlands, it's just like one of many companies owned oh, by wow. a conglomerate. I would never imagine, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just very think about insightful. These, yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really interesting, I think. So, so um, uh, from U.S. sugar, though, um, these, these companies are big and they've made money for decades. And so they, they, you know, they, don't, they don't kind of uh, mess around with their reactions. Um, the statement from U.S. sugar said in a statement to the media, we disagree with the Justice Department's decision and fully intend so they're, they're going to get stuck in for sure. The corporation argued that the merger will actually increase refined sugar production, bolster the sugar supply for Americans and protect U.S. jobs in the industry. The transaction will improve supply chain logistics, it says, and will not result in higher prices or harm to customers and consumers. We look forward to making our case in court. Sounds like a, a drama, doesn't it? Sounds like a, 
a setup for some sort of big court case film. Uh, so the Department of Justice's uh, latest intervention in, into a uh, major industry is, as I mentioned, part of what Biden's administration has been doing to really look at antitrust about sort of collusion to, um, to hold consumers hostage. And um, in Biden's first year in the White House, he's already taken big steps to combat this kind of thing, consolidation between big corporate players, including in other areas, in, in publishing and in airlines as well. Earlier this month, so in publishing, um, the, the Department of Justice filed a lawsuit uh, seeking to block Penguin uh, Random House, the big publisher, from acquiring rival Simon & Schuster for nearly 2.2 billion US dollars. So that's uh, close to 20 million Hong Kong dollars, a bit less. But it's... Um, but that's, I mean, th th those are the sort of things that seem to be happening. I mean, I don't know, in some other ways, they happen a lot. And in the, in the third segment of, uh, of today's three that I've got, we'll hear of something where there are mergers going on elsewhere in the world. But just to, uh, to wrap up with this, the deal between U.S. Sugar and Imperial Sugar, um, the Department of Justice uh, counters, will leave an overwhelming majority of refined sugar sales across America and only two producers, uh, of only two producers, particularly in the southeast of the country. So it goes on as, as a result it would, um, that Americans will pay more for refined sugar, and uh, therefore it will have a significant input into many uh, sweet foods and beverages. Um, this all makes sense. It's just a, so that's 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 just something that I wanted to bring to light. It's just um, just that there's a, a, this this really big high-profile battle about to commence. Between uh, between the U.S. government and these the sugar massive sugar players, one of which has one players. foot firmly, yeah, in uh, in Holland. So, um, going on from that, in fact, I will mention this one next because uh, because I said, you know, while while we hear about this going on, there's been no such reaction from uh, the government in the U.K. Where we're going next, where a very fast um, grocery delivery startup firm from Turkey is set to buy out a UK rival called Wheezy. That's the UK um, version of fast delivery service. Um, uh, and that's so the Turkish company who already has some operations in the UK, it's an Istanbul based startup that's been around for just under two years called Getir. Don't know what that means in Turkish. Getir. Sounds like a little a kind of, I don't no know, idea, sounds a bit... No. Sounds a bit like an insult, but I'm yeah. um, sorry. That's <laughs> probably a silly thing to say. But um, but it, it aims to get his kind of um, sort of uh, USP is uh, to uh, aim to ship groceries to people's doors in as little as 10 minutes. That's how it's built its reputation, and it's really cleaned up in Turkey and in certain parts of Europe, and now it's focusing its sites on the UK, where it does have some operations, as I mentioned already, but it wants to get even stronger. It's sensed that it can do even better in the UK, and so it's bought, it's put an offer in, um, which has been accepted by this company, Wheezy. It's going to, um, it's going to up the game of its Wheezy customers. Wheezy isn't a very attractive name for food delivery, is it? No. If you've got a driver, right? I, I'm, from, I'm from Wheezy. From Wheezy, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
It's, uh, uh, I, but actually, Get Here, I've just realised, um, as I'm look, thinking of the name of Wheezy, Get he- it sounds like Get Here, doesn't it? But I wonder if it was actually taken from the English name. I don't know. And then just should have trans- looked, should have looked yeah. this up before we spoke. <laughs> um, but it's... Um, so Get Here operates in 15 cities and towns in the UK, including some of the big cities, London, Manchester, Birmingham and Liverpool, for example. And uh, it's... It, bought Wheezy, and Wheezy itself was only founded two years ago as well by two people in the UK who had no experience in food delivery, that just had the idea that people could do with really uh, quicker delivery than some other delivery firms are able to provide. And this was just before COVID struck. And since the pandemic has been on, uh, Wheezy experienced rocket speed growth, of course, during the pandemic as more people were staying in and needing to, or wanting to have things delivered, not only takeaways, but also grocery shopping. And Wheezy now has over 700 employees, and that number includes the firm's delivery drivers. Now, this is really interesting because unlike a lot of gig economy companies that we hear about very recently on strike in Hong Kong that hire contractors on flexible working arrangements that get paid just when they're working, Wheezy treats its couriers as salaried workers. So it's actually a a sort of a fairer looking after the employee kind of way. That's assuming, of course, that employees would want to be working full time. But it's um, and that's what um, Get Here is taking on. And um, so the, so, uh, the newly merged you, Andrew, but um, yeah. um, Steve, listener Steve has just um, messaged in to say getia means bring in Turkish. Bring. Oh, isn't it funny? Thank you, Steve. Yes, thank it, you isn't very it, much Isn't it funny indeed. that getia meaning bring sounds very much like get here in English, which also kind of means get the stuff get, here. Get, yeah, yeah, could do. Very yeah, interesting. interesting. I'm sure Thanks. that's not. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's not really. I don't think they got it from the English word. No, but. no, no. That <laughs> was a tongue-in-cheek remark. But I again. No, 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 no. I was <laughs> going to say, but but nice try there. Nice try. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> thank I, you very did much. I, did I nearly bluff my way through that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. So, so the the uh, as the company um, is about to merge, they're going to have a workforce of more than four thousand uh, employees. That's getter, you know, as they have now got this new workforce, and that is across um, the regions that they're in, which is mostly Europe. Um, and looking at Europe generally, Europe is home to a really flourishing online grocery and food delivery sector that's seen a wave of different challenges emerge. Um, during the, the whole COVID period. Um, and that's also to take on better pricing for the consumer against the established supermarket chains that also do a lot of deliveries. And so it's really something that is happening. Um, you know, it's really big, particularly in Europe. And Germany is uh, is, is full of different uh, providers for this. And so is the UK. There's another one in the UK called Zap which uh, you can tell by these names that they're really selling the getting something somewhere fast. We've not seen anything of this in Hong Kong, have we? Of this particular angle on deliveries being like super speedy. Uh, how, I, I know we've spoken about it before, but, um, but, I, but I, I, I don't really find um, the delivery services that fast. I've, delivered, I've had food delivery done to urban parts of Hong Kong, of course, not to where I live on an outlying island because they would never come out here. But, it's, but when I've been either at other people's homes or in office places around town, urban town, 
I've um, I've found that they're pretty unreliable on time. What about you, Noreen? Yeah, um, I've had mixed really. Sometimes mm. it's sometimes it exceeds my expectation. It sort of arrives okay. within twenty to twenty five minutes. Yeah, um, well, we, we've ordered lunch a, a few times um, mm. here in Kowloon Tong. I suppose it just depends which area and and that restaurant. Um, and then there are times when you just wait like. Almost an hour, four, 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. It depends on yeah. the times you order as well. If you are sort of ordering bang on lunchtime, and lunchtime mm. is quite a stretch. It can be between mm. 12 till um, two. 2. Exactly. Oh, so yeah. just, it depends on your luck. And of course, there are some restaurants that take pre-orders as well. So that there's this one restaurant that we order from um, mm-hmm. that uh, it opens at 11.30, but you can start uh, ordering from 10.30 onwards and you just set the time. Ah, but then if you do, does it, does it, does it have you, do you, have you noticed that if you do it very early, if you make a booking very early, do things arrive earlier or, or, yeah, uh, you know, point. more promptly? Yeah, that's a good point. D- On- again, maybe it just depends how many people thought in advance to yeah. order in advance. Yeah. Sure. But it's it, so frustrating so. sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you'd kind of think however it's done, whether it's full timers or part timers, that that is the business, isn't it? That there's a certain time slot that's going to be the peak lunchtime and dinner time, and that's when you have to have the staff to do it. Yeah. But yes, of course, it does depend on location. It shouldn't depend, in my opinion, on the time of day, though, because that really is, that should be the bare bones of the operation, having having it kind of staffed up for those two times of the day. Yeah, you you tell it, them, Andrew Dembina, you tell them that. <laughs> well, I've been really, I mean, I've had to wait an hour sometimes for uh, for a lunch or a, or a dinner. And really, it would have been quicker to uh, to, to go out, go down, where get you are. yourself. But, yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, um, uh, moving on to another um, uh, segment then, and it'll be the last one for today. And uh, again, it's another macro story. There is a glass bottle shortage, which is putting pressure on the wine and spirits companies ahead of the big <laughs> holiday season. Sorry, um, do you remember when you used to bring the? Sorry to interrupt you, but do you yeah. remember you used to bring? glass bottles to recycle back when you used to work full-time at RTHK. Just just let me yeah. just tell the listeners the story. Andrew, living yeah. on an outlying island, would take the ferry every day to work. And bless bless your heart, you are such a nice guy. You bring in uh, glass bottles and wine bottles, beer bottles, or, or yeah. just drinks bottles to recycle Jars them. Of Jars of jam. Em- empty ones. Exactly, because yeah. we have a, a collection box at RTHK. So you've been doing that for months, only to see somebody um, dispose of those glass glass jars into the bin and you're just like what's going on and you found mm. out later on that it wasn't really a glass recycling point it was a prop yeah <laughs> it, was, it was a well, tv set prop <laughs> that it, I, said I, I, glass not, recycling I, yeah. that's I'm terrible sure it a, uh, yeah it was either a tv set prop or even to this day 15 or so years later I'm not sure if it was a, if it was a prop or whether it was something it, that was intended it, to be glass recycling. No, it was a at, prop for the TV uh, show. Yeah, and you've right, just been right. dumping it there, thinking it was a were, legitimate they, glass. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't that, laugh because that's actually really terrible. You know, we should have a glass recycling <laughs> well, point. It's, it's interesting because it was a long time before there were any glass recycling bins in Hong Kong. You know, around in public places. Yeah, we so should have known. I thought. Yeah. Well, no, I thought it was a real go-ahead thing that was just a, that was just starting to happen so uh, but anyway yeah oh, what sorry. a fool i felt oh, yes yeah, but uh, but there was there was no there was nowhere else to put it in those days um thankfully there are now 
some some recycling uh, exactly. glass areas uh, bins. Um, so there, yeah, there is this shortage of um, of glass bottles for wine, spirits, and indeed beer companies around the world right ahead of the holiday season. And it's again, it's the same stuff. It's all linked to what I was saying in the first segment of today. Of course, it's got something to do with um, freight delays, labour shortages, higher costs of uh, of making uh, glass containers which have which means that some people are shopping around and that's taking time for them to find ones that they can afford between previous budgets that will do the job and the u.s is is feeling it much worse than anywhere else in the world in the um in kentucky which is known for its bourbon production um the the uh the demand for glass has really outstripped the supply um in the last six months or so and it's really proving a problem in getting the stuff that they've distilled and got ready for the pre uh thanksgiving just uh just you know recently and also upcoming christmas and new year into bottles let alone getting them then shipped off around america and to other parts of the world and the united states is continuing to bear the brunt of uh, a surging uh, consumer demand which is just beginning to be felt pre-christmas as people start placing their orders um so i can see that i'm heading towards the end of the of, of time um i'll just say that also this is being felt in uh, in france and the wine industry and also in belgium for its beer bottles right well andrew thank you so much for all your research and all your sharing um, on all things food and drinks related uh and i will be speaking to you from the news studio on thursday for artsing around thank you very much indeed for your time andrew dambina Thanks, Noreen. Speak to you then. Speak to you then.